Behind every great artist, there's a great band who help take the music from the studio to the stage. In each episode, I talk with some of the most accomplished and sought-after musicians in the world, delving into the details of their backgrounds, their stories, and their journeys, doing away with the fiction, and getting into the facts. It's not about the hype. It's not about the product. It's about the players. Hope everybody's doing well. Coming to you from self-isolation due to travel. This episode is with my good friend, Hannah V. At the pinnacle of her session career, she played with the one and only Rihanna, amongst many others. But she packed it all in to take on the world of production. Notably with J.P. Cooper, Layla Hathaway, and lots of others. Early in 2020, we jumped on a call and talked all things Hannah V. Check it out. So, um, listen, I'm here with my good friend, Hannah V, Hannah Vasanth. Um, good to talk to you, Hannah. Good to kind of have this moment to kind of just catch up and see where you're at. Thanks yeah, for coming, coming uh, on. Thanks so much for having me, Coach. W- what are you doing right now, man? What's going on with you musically? Right now, listen, I'm just producing, producing, producing nonstop. It's been mm-hmm. great. It's been like I've got my regular clients, you know, mm-hmm. so and that's obviously kind of that's my page shit, so that takes priority. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then so many projects just bubbling, you know, beats I'm sending to people or like little projects I'm building with um, artists. Um, I love working with singers and with artists. That's always been my thing. And I think as pianists anyways, we've got that in us, isn't it? We're just, we love accompanying, you know? And yeah. so I love doing that with my production too. So, so for me, like working with a singer or with an artist and finding and helping them find their sound and adding my sound to it and it all becoming this beautiful melting pot of who we are. I just find it so exciting, man. And, you know, it's been my sixth, it's my sixth year now as a professional producer and wow. I'm still so excited, coach. Like, I love my so freaking job. <laughs> it's, so it's so fun and you know how it is. It's just, it's just fun, man. It's just, you know, now obviously some days are harder than others, blah, 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 the usual stuff, but... I'm I'm loving it. I'm honestly loving being a studio rat. So playing music or producing music, which would you choose? Right now? Mm. In a crazy way, coach, I feel like my entire life led up to this moment of me being a producer. Wow. And that's crazy because I am a pianist. I'm a performer. I love my instrument. I love my instrument. But Mm -hmm. being a producer has given me the opportunity to showcase other musicians and mm. bring the best out of out of artists so it's, it's taking my musicianship to a different level you know and i get to play on most of the records anyways you know so i get get to be still be a musician but being able to shape the full sound of something man it's just incredible an incredible so, feeling before we get into some background stuff mm-hmm. i just always like to kind of get a gauge of where people are at right now so the people who maybe don't know too much about your history kind of know about your present and that's really exciting to me like when was the last time you practiced man oh man i don't like that question <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah a long time ago but 
Can I just mm. say, but one of my main um, little lockdown resolutions is um, when I get back to my studio, I'm going to try and build in like every morning, whenever I go there, a little half an hour, 45 minutes on the piano. Because yeah. it's just something as an instrumentalist, I just don't get a chance to do it. No, I, I feel you, man. That's probably an excuse and I need to... Um, it's not an excuse. I'm trying to remember when, you know, shit, I'm trying to get my plan back together. <laughs> like, I'm not... Tr- yeah, it's not especially an excuse. Especially in the studio, Coach, like, because it's like you only I only need to, like, concentrate for, like, five minutes or later on my parts, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I'm cool. So you're not thinking constantly as a musician, right? Um, yeah. But then it gets tricky when you get the phone calls from other producers. They're like, Hannah, do me an epic intro. Do me an epic outro. And then you're like, shit, okay. Need to get my chops back up. And yeah. I just want to be at a level where I can do that all the time. And I don't need a day or two to get my chops back up, you know? Or you can get somebody to do it. I mean, the whole thing is, is like, I, I just always believe that playing music and making music is two separate things. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's, they're kind of two separate kind of skills. But, um, all right, that's interesting. Um, if you had to pick three artists that you would um, listen to on your desert island, who would they be? In no particular order. Aretha. Mm-hmm. Mac Miller. Okay, shit. And... Is it going to be Miles Coltrane or Herbie? <laughs> That's hard. That's tough. You know Miles because he's got all the musicians on the, um, with him, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. I kind of like to gauge where people are at musically. That's a really good kind of like broad section. Is jazz, is soul, but it's hip hop. Is yeah. I, I feel you, man. That's what's up. I mean, saying Miles. So like, would he be like what musician inspired you the most that doesn't play your instrument? I think it would have to be a couple. I can't pick one, but mm. Cannonball Adderley. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Miles, Coltrane, Christian McBride. Mm. I love trumpet players too, man. Lee Morgan, Freddie Hubbard. Um, you know, so we're talking like, we're talking our, our jazz legends. Yeah, you yeah, know, but I've always loved um, I've always loved players that as much as they have all the technical ability, they don't let it out all the time, and it's more about feel and groove and pocket and soul and blues. Like mm, that mm, is mm. my shit. You know, it has to feel good. So moving on that train, let's kind of let's take it back a little bit. So how did how how did you get there? How did you get to that place where your heroes are people like Cannonball Adderley and Miles Davis and such? You know. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how you got to that place. So I was kind of musically raised in quite a traditional way. Um, I had piano lessons. I actually lived in India for a couple of years when I was five years old. And mm-hmm. that's where I started my classical piano lessons. I absolutely don't remember a thing about them, <laughs> but it must have been quite a good foundation, you know? So mm-hmm. I came back to, moved back to Germany um, and had a classical piano teacher, mm-hmm. um, a German classical piano teacher called Elke Damaschke. And... She was amazing, but she was so strict, coach. Um, <laughs> but she was amazing, amazing, amazing. And now as a grown-up, I wish I would stuck it out a bit longer. So I was with her for like two, three years. And um, quite fast, I got to a competing level, classical, you know? And, wow. um, and again, I wasn't like one of them genius kids. But, you know, I'd come in third or fourth, so not bad, um, considering yeah. I ha- wasn't a little genius that started at age of three and was playing with orchestras at age seven, you know? Um, and she was, she was really strict about technique. She was strict about repertoire. Um, and in Germany, you don't do grades. So you just 
you're da- it's down to the teacher to introduce you to different composers. And for me, that was really such a beautiful thing because imagine being nine, ten years old and being like, man, Bach is my shit. Do you know what I mean? Wow. Already wow. like wow. already having your preferences. And, wow. and you know, that when I became 12, 13, you know, I was like, got into, you know, got a bit moodier. So, you know, I loved my Debussy. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so like really great, great piano teacher. But um, as I became a teenager and my piano lessons were on a Friday afternoon after school, mm-hmm. I stopped. I just couldn't be bothered anymore, you know? Wow, Which wow. Which sucks in hindsight. <laughs> sucks. Yeah, but even that in itself. So just so you grew up in Germany and you learned classical piano in Germany, mm-hmm. basically from sort of like early years to sort of teenage years. Yeah. Wow, so you were already deep in it before you even got in it, huh? I guess so, but you know what? At all of that time, I didn't. It was something I did after school. It was something I did in church, but it wasn't serious like that, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And then the turning point was, um, so I went to an American high school in Germany. Mm-hmm. International school. So we had loads of American teachers. Half the teachers were American. So um, we had an amazing music section, a whole building for music. Um, and we had a big band teacher there, um, Dr. Hinton. And so mm-hmm. at that time, already I was playing in the little orchestras. I was playing in bands. I was accompanying everyone. I could sight read. I was a really good sight reader as a kid. So, wow. um, you know, all the choirs, whatever, they just get me up to help out, you know? But mm-hmm. again, I was, it was. Not that I was doing it without passion, but I was just doing it. You know, coach? Like, it was just like yeah. breathing or whatever. You just do it. You don't, you don't overthink it when you're a kid. Um, and then Mr. Hinton one day, I think I must have been 14, um, handed me two tapes. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the tapes were kind of blue. Mm-hmm. Um, blue Train, Coltrane, The Real McCoy, McCoy Tyner, and a Roy Hargrove album, his first album. Wow. Two cassettes wow. coach. And I took these <laughs> home and you're just like, mm, whatever, okay, let me have a listen. And I swear I listened to these tapes and I was like, what is this? Wow. And I wow. immediately have to get involved. So that was a defining moment, getting those tapes. And then also there was a jazz workshop um, at school and we had some of the um, some musicians, local musicians, um, jazz musicians come down. And again, there's a very big expat community in wow. Berlin. And so there's like these cool American musicians, you know, jazz musicians <laughs> that had like cool hats and cool threads and all of that, you know, and they walk in. And I remember one of them just called, um, just said, um, called out an F blues, you know, and just wow. counted it in. And I was like, what is going on? There's no music. <laughs> How do you guys know what to play? Like, right. I was just, I was blown away at my, at witnessing improvisation live for the first time, wow. you know? And mm-hmm. just something that really just clicked, and I was just like, "This is I just I just need to do this," you know. And but yeah, again, yeah. I was honestly so blessed that I went to a school that supported me, that I had an amazing big band teacher, that my parents were totally behind me. So I went to jazz camps when I was 15. I flew to Northwestern, did three week jazz camp, and then when I was 16, I did the same camp for five weeks. You know, so these are things that not everybody gets, like. No, absolutely. It's real privilege. Real privilege. Imagine flying across the country, hanging out with other jazz musicians your own age. You know, practicing all night, doing gigs. Like it, it was incredible. Do you remember why you chose piano, or was it just one of those things that you were kind of presented with? Yeah, I was just presented with it. That's an interesting question. Yeah, no, I never chose it. Wow. It was just the first instrument. I guess my parents sent me to piano lessons. You know. <laughs> and that was yeah, it. interesting. Yeah, did it was. Ever, it wasn't the choice. It was just my parents getting me piano lessons. Did you ever play anything else? Listen, I tried because when I was, you know, like those years between fifteen and seventeen, when you're just deep into music, you know, 
Um, and so I tried my hand at other instruments. I took bass lessons for a while. Um, mm-hmm. My sister started violin lessons and like quit after like a couple of lessons. So I took took over a couple of her lessons. Um, so I dabbled, but nothing serious, you know, nothing, right, nothing right, serious. Right. It was always the piano for me, really. Yeah, amazing, amazing. And when you were like, I mean, I remember um, be having around a similar age having an interest in jazz and classical music too. I like to kind oh. of like, you know, like Debussy, Ravel, people from that kind of era. Because obviously they had all the 9th, 11th, they were doing all the jazzy shit too. So I was kind of into that. But did you ever find at that point, were you ever conflicted as to which way you would kind of go in terms of like classical piano or jazz piano? Or were you just like, no, nah, I'm jazz? You know what? Um, I still took classical um, piano lessons um, when I started jazz, but yeah, I I already knew what direction I was going to go in. So it's almost like I just did the classical lessons just to do, just to keep it up, you know? And also with classical, with with all, um, with any teachers, but my classical teacher, Elke, she was so crazy good. It was hard finding someone that was like on that same level. Right, you know? right, right, so, right. You know, coach, when you're like, you're probably the same. We're clever. We get a, We know how to get away with shit. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right, if you right, haven't right. practiced, you just start talking about something artsy or whatever, and people, you, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's ways of getting around it. Whereas my German teacher, that wouldn't have flown with her, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but it's kind of, it's not a regret, but... Mm. Next lifetime, I think I'd like to be a classical pianist because, honestly, I loved it. I loved it. So I'm just sitting here thinking, right, so at what stage, you know, going to jazz camps and listening to McCoy Tyner and, you know, at what stage did this become like, hey, I'm just playing piano, um, you know, because that's what I've always done. What did when did it then become something that hey maybe I can do this for a living or I can make a career out of this? How, how did that happen? I think it was quite early on, honestly. Again, fifteen, I'd say. Wow! Um, wow! That's coach, that's amazing. You know what? I was lucky because I had such a music community around me. You know, right. so I think it's easier making those choices when my best friend was a musician, Natalie Williams. You know. Right, 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 right. She's a musician. All my, all my homies are musicians. We're practicing all the time. I'm in, I'm playing in bands every single day after school. I play in church every Sunday. Um, I'm, right. you know, like even the gigs we're doing, of course, they're kiddie gigs. They're not, you know, they're not real gigs. But I'm performing all the time. You know? Yeah, but I, but I just always think to myself, like, no parent is sick to themselves. Oh, yeah, my daughter's going to be a musician. Like, nobody, <laughs> nobody. <laughs> so, so, like, it's, it's interesting. Like, did you, was there anything else you were ever interested in or any other kind of career path you kind of thought you might take? Well, typical Asian, I want to become a doctor. <laughs> right, okay, okay. You know, and, uh, so, and I was quite serious about that, especially in my early teens. Like, I was taking Latin and all of that, you know? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, again, it's a blessing that my parents were so supportive. It was right. just, it was never a question, you know, like, which is so cool, especially for, you know, Asian parents to be so, so cool about an uh, untraditional job, you know? Sure, sure. So that's, so that's still in Germany. When did you get to the UK, right? So then I graduated Germany and, um, you know, it was time to, uh, the year before we graduated high school, it was time to kind of audition for all the colleges, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was, I wanted to, I was thinking of going to the States, Northwestern, Berkeley, all of that, but ultimately we couldn't afford it, you know? 
right, right, right. The UK seemed like an amazing option because at that point we didn't have to pay. Um, and EU was still studying for free. Right. You know? Okay. 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 So I, um, I flew over. I auditioned to, um, at the academy and at the Guild Hall, mm-hmm. and yeah, and I remember getting getting my letter from the academy and bursting into tears when I found oh, out I'd been accepted because it's uh, these things mean a lot, you know. Like maybe we become like a bit more cynical when we get older, but like. Um, because I, I think I'd already got my rejection letter from the Guild Hall, you know, and I was like, okay, it's fine. Like, it's, you know, there's great music schools in Germany as well. So if this doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But right. to then, and because and at that point, the Academy only accepted um, one um, one player per instrument. So my year wow. was six people, you know, I was the only pianist in it. Wow. And, wow. and I heard the people before me auditioning and they were killer. Wow. You know? and, and that's the thing, you know, like, like I did, even though I went to a school with a big music um, department, it wasn't a music school, so right, I right. was not Kojo. I was not aware of the levels. And did you? Um, it's a four-year course. Were you studying performance or composition, or what, what were Jazz, you studying? Jazz piano performance. Jazz piano performance. Wow! Mm-hmm. Wow! Amazing. It's interesting. I remember being that age and kind of similar, kind of wanting to do similar things, but um, not being able to choose because. As well, I, I had a similar interest in jazz, but then also had an interest in technology, but then also really liked classical music. And I was like, I actually liked a lot of 20th century shit. And when you mix that with the whole electronic thing, I was like, man, there's no way I'm going to go play jazz for four years as much as I like it. Yeah. But um, it's the one thing I wish that I could have would have liked to have gone that kind of route, actually, mm-hmm. now I think back. But um, but like, so I imagine just by nature of... Um, People, I imagine in London around that time, you start meeting a lot of other musicians, playing a lot. Tell me how that kind of went for you and developing that kind of passion and that kind of career path. And growth. Honestly, shit was hard. Wow. The academy at, in those times, it isn't what education is nowadays. Yeah? Right, 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 right. So first of all... Pfft, Listen, I just got to keep it real, and it is what it is. It was, it's a, it was a school. It was a school full of very well-off people. Yeah? yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, all of these things, I just wasn't aware of. Coach, I didn't understand class. You know, I wasn't from the UK, so I didn't know how big these things are over here. You know, so right, all right. I know, uh, and again, I'd been raised in an American way, so like. You know, I was really enthusiastic, always looking forward to meet people. Coach, I walk into my class on the first day, you Mm. know, obviously the only girl, obviously the only brown person, blah, blah, blah. Walking in, it's like, hey, guys, my name is Hannah. I'm a pianist. Super enthusiastic, maybe too American. And literally, I was met with stone cold silence, bro. I was about to say, you did that in England? Silent. <laughs> I ate lunch alone for a year. I can imagine. I remember the first for time. For I'm like, who the hell is this? You know, like moody jazz musicians. You know? <laughs> and I'm there like bouncing, bouncing into the room, you know? Wow. Wow. Um, wow. So for me, it was a, it was not an easy time um, there for, for different reasons. Um, financially, I still had to work because mm-hmm. that's just... That's, that was just my life. So I was kind of working 25 hours a week or whatever, you know, as well as going to full-time college, you know. What were uh, you doing? Kojo, I'm a killer secretary, man. <laughs> okay, I didn't know Listen, that. My PA skills are through the roof. 
Wow. Okay. Yeah, I was okay. a PA. Like I was a PA at an engineering firm. Yeah, it's, cr- it's just crazy shit, you know. I can imagine that because you always met organized. So yeah, I can yeah. Imagine. So I was just like, I loved my like, hello, this is so and so, Hannah speaking. How can I help? I was I was good <laughs> at all of that shit, man. <laughs> nice, nice. So yeah, I was doing. Um, so for me, and also, as much as I love jazz. I hadn't necessarily come. My immediate family weren't musical. So I was an MTV kid coach. Yeah. I listened right. to radio. I like normal stuff as well. And, and like I was saying, I was always very connected to singers and songs, you know, right. And, right. and, and I'd find that there was like a lot of resistance and snobbiness basically, you know? So they'd be like, Hannah, what are you listening to? And I'm like, I'm listening to the roots. And they're like, right. you know, and, and, you know, so I wasn't accepted. Let, it is what it is you know and also i was around actual geniuses and i don't consider myself one so actually technical and harmonic geniuses and that is scary you know people that are 10 years more advanced than you because they just started that young and you know just put in their eight hours a day when they were young which i never did did you you, did you kind of did you feel you weren't good enough did you feel like like 100% 100% that was, and to be fair that's I think from those times that's something I still carry with myself you know mm, 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 and, mm, and of course being being like I think there's only two females three females in the whole course um, the other two were you know singers um, so for my recitals I'd get comments like I liked your dress from the head of do you know oh, what I mean and you're just like yeah. come on guys man so um, in all honesty I left the academy not wanting to play wow it's deep wow, it's deep wow. But I can I can imagine though. Towards the end of the year, um, of in my fourth year, I ha- also was financially responsible for family members. So I was just you know like there was no time for me to practice because I had to make sure there was food on the table. Simple, you know. And um, and this is stuff that like people at the academy hadn't ever heard of, you know. So I kind of went to there, whatever. Um, one of the people there was like, um, "Do you guys have hardship funds? Is there any help you can give?" And they didn't because. Poor people don't go there, you know? Um, right, right, right. So, okay, like, okay. I didn't graduate as in I didn't go to the graduation ceremony because I couldn't afford the gun. Wow, wow. So, for you, it's like it was financially, it, just, it, it was really difficult. It wasn't just a thing of like, hey, I'm going to college, I'm going to make all this money. It was actually really difficult just to actually complete college, let alone, like, do anything professionally. Completely. And I think there was never... There's never a doubt in my mind that I wasn't going to finish the course because I'm like, I'm not a quitter like that. You know, like I would have somehow sure. figured it out, but it was really, really tough. And, you know, like and silly things like there was a 50 pound library fine because I hadn't handed in my real book. And, you know, like dumb stuff, coach, <laughs> right, dumb yeah. shit. And I was like, I didn't have 50 pounds, you know, like so. Um, so I look at the academy um, with mixed feeling because the positive of it is to this day, the best musicians I know are people I met there, you know. And of course, right, I made right. really great friendships, but I don't think it catered for people that weren't necessarily jazz prodigies. And yeah, sure, um, sure, and sure. maybe wanted to do something else. Coach, I had no idea about pop work. I had no idea about session work. I had no idea that there were other ways I could make money um, as a musician. All I, all I felt was like, well, you're not, not really the best jazz musician, so shit. You know? It's interesting because I always think to myself, like when somebody goes on a four year jazz course or four year class or whatever four year four year yeah. course you do, a three year course, whatever. What were you thinking? What was the end game? 
for you? Like, what, what did you want to come out there and be able to do to earn a living? What were you thinking at that time? I wanted to tour tour all the jazz clubs, all the blue notes in, with my jazz trio. Very romantic right. and I- idealized vision in my head. Very uh, young, right. vision, you know? But yeah, that's, I just wanted to, I just wanted to travel with a trio. Um, just classic piano trio. That's all wow. I wanted to do. Wow. You know? so interesting, interesting. And I was introduced, we did do one year of production, well, like a really small, um, low-level production course at the Academy um for a year and that that was kind of my first introduction to logic that was the sequence that we were using and that's the sequence i've stayed with all my life and i did Mm. find it interesting for sure and i definitely took to it and i was the only one while everybody else was writing like free jazz jams i was like chopping up janet jackson samples and getting my singer friends from the classical course to come and jump on it and you know writing choruses before knowing that that's what i was doing you know so wow Wow, natural inclination to all of that but you know like as far you know it was just a, it's just once a week a bit uh, messing around yeah. on the computer you know so again it wasn't it wasn't anything i was taking serious at that point so the jazz trio thing clearly didn't work out that that, that didn't seem to happen <laughs> so how did you how did you go from that to i guess what to me would seem like the second phase of your life how did you how did you get into how did you get out of that and into something else well, so graduated college, okay, um, graduated academy, mm-hmm. and um, realized that, yeah, I wasn't about to tour the world with my jazz trio, and so, <laughs> yeah. um, and so spent like the first two three years, like I had a part time job still as a PA at a record label at this point, um, and then Kojo, mm-hmm. I played in every single bar and every single restaurant in London. If there's a piano somewhere, I have played there. Trust me. Wow. So wow. like um, wow. 30 hours a week of solo piano gigs. That shit was depressing, wow. bro. But <laughs> only in hindsight, because while you're in it, you just, coach and you know, that's, you're the same. While you're in it, you just do it, right? You don't overthink it. You just do it. You just do, coach, five hour gigs for 50 pounds. Are you mad, bro? Wow. That's and you probably finished doing. like, yeah, I got 50 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> like yes all right and you know i just you know you just learn you just learn you know just made friends with all the bar people bar stuff so i can get my free drink and you just play, <laughs> and, play and play and play you know and i was teaching a bit mm-hmm. and um mm-hmm. and for me looking back the thing i find so amazing in many ways is i wasn't unhappy with my life because i had no idea w- what was going to come you know and as far as i was concerned i was still a professional musician in london yeah it wasn't it wasn't glamorous but i was playing piano more or less every day you know running around from restaurant to bar to restaurant to bar you know um yeah yeah for a while until like the call that opened up you know this new path for me was from bob knight um and uh, who and we'd gone to the academy together he was a year or above me and so he called me up mm-hmm. he's like hannah um i need you to play keyboards and i coach i'd never played keyboards before you know and he's like so right. charlotte church he was at this point he just started emptying himself and um he um he was doing charlotte church and they decided that they couldn't afford the string players and the brass players you know so he's like hannah i need right, you to right. jump on it. um jump on second keys and um mm-hmm. and the first keyboard player was another really good friend of us um of mine and of us from the academy called rob taggart and so mm-hmm. rob programmed up his keyboards his b rig for me because mm-hmm. i had no clue coach yeah programmed it up uh, <laughs> i charted it out and he's like and they were just like hannah listen we'll just run you through it don't worry about it you know 
Um, right, right, so I walked right. into my first pop rehearsal. Oh, where was it? Was it John Henry's? Possibly. Don't know. Walked into my first mm-hmm. pop, uh, pop rehearsal and see some, see my keyboard rig and see some dude mm-hmm. like doing stuff underneath it. At this point, I had no idea what a tech was. <laughs> Um, right, right, and I'm right, like, right. hey, I'm Hannah. I think this is my station. Um, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm setting it up for you. <laughs> I was like, oh, you don't have to. And he's like, no, it's my job. And I was like, what? You mean I don't have to carry people <laughs> up and down stairs in my little heels anymore? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and um, and so the keyboards, the sounds have been programmed for me. And Rob quickly ran me through it. He's like, this is how you change patches. These are the songs. You know what you're doing. And coach. That first day of pop rehearsals, I was like, yo, this shit fits me. This suits me. <laughs> the precision of it, you know? The, yeah, yeah. the actually, actually having rehearsals. You don't even have rehearsals as a jazz musician, you know? But to be able yeah, to like yeah, go yeah. affect things, to be able to play in the pocket like that, the fact that fills were thought about and discussed and sounds were and like and and there was like we were trying to get close to something close to the record or close to feeling or whatever you know it was just mm-hmm. i just loved it i just i just fell for keyboards and fell for the world for that world you know and that wow, was how it started so i think i did charlotte for like a month or so um jumped a couple of other little gigs um and then i think my next big gig that was my big learning curve was bugs in the attic i was on the road with them for one and a half years Wow, wow. So how did it feel to come from a world where like people are like, Oh my god, there's this girl, she's trying to play jazz to a world where, you know, people think it's cool to have a girl in the band. Like <laughs> how did that kind of feel, kind of getting in that place? The first couple of years, it was the same bullshit. Yeah. So yeah. there was a year, coach, I kid you not, mm-hmm. where I mimed more on top of the pops than played live. Because I got called for all wow. the moms, but I never got the auditions. <laughs> Can you believe this? Wow. Because wow. they liked the wow. look of me. And I was just like, let me mm-hmm. just, all I'm asking is for an audition, isn't it? If I, if you don't like my playing, that's fine, you know? But I just yeah, wasn't, yeah, yeah. I just wasn't getting, I just wasn't getting the auditions. You know, I was, right, I had been right, put right. into a box of like, she looks good playing keys and that's it. So we'll just get her for all the miming, for all the miming bands, which is also a crazy thing that people yeah. used to have miming bands and real bands. What, I mean, that is just I know. insane. I know, but hey, it's, it's, it's a part of it, I guess, which is a strange part of it. But I guess like, I think the thing that's interesting for me there, I guess that like, it's amazing. It goes to show how important, like, um, it was something I was talking to somebody about the other day, but when you're making people like, how do you get in the business? How do you make connections? How do you, you know, it starts from interacting with other musicians and people that you're learning, you're training with and doing things with, because it's more often than not, it's going to be a word of mouth. It's going to be a recommendation more than, more than anything else. So somebody like Bob, who actually, you know, had started an agency and was already fixing an MD and like you probably, when you met him, at the academy, you might not have known that that relationship might have been, you know, what you might not have known what it would lead to from a professional sense, but yeah. um, but it did, you know. And and coach, the joke of it when Bob started the agency, yeah, he was like, Hannah, I need more mm-hmm. gigs, I'm gonna start an agency. We were still at the academy. The agency started out with me, him, and his brother on the books, yeah. That's how far me and Bob both go back. And I remember, remember like, 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 I was just finding a white wall and taking pictures for the agency. You know, like, it's. Wow. Like, wow. This, is how, and this is exactly like you said. This is how stuff starts. It starts with you and your friends just having a punt, just going for it, trying yeah. stuff out. 
and supporting yeah. each other. Yeah, and I think too though, it's like you got to bear in mind too. It's like you know, like they say, if the mountain won't come to Muhammad, sometimes you got to go to that mountain. So people yeah. think like if somebody's not giving you a gig, then you know, get a gig. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like you yeah. know, why not, why not make an agency? Why sit around and wait? Why not present it a different way? So mm. that's that's great. That's great to have been a part of something like that from the yeah. start. So. Um, you know, I, I think everybody kind of gets that, like, when you're kind of doing things, one thing tends to lead to another and this and that, whatever. And I think that's fantastic. What would you say would be, what was your first kind of like, I guess, like big gig in sort of like air quotes that kind of um, that you started doing? I think it started for me, things started because the bugs in the attic, that was such a fun gig, but we were on at like one in the morning, you know? That kind right, of thing. Right, Festivals right. all over the world and stuff like that, but it was a party band, you know? And even though how they were. How would you set, describe their music for people that don't know? How would you describe listen, it? Listen, Bugs in the Attic, if you guys don't know it, immediately check them out. They are one of the originators of a West London music style called Broken Beat. Um, mm-hmm. It's jazz and funk and broken beats it's incredible music yeah. absolutely incredible music yeah. and, and very very musical so it's like all the jazz chords all the jazz harmony um but just with a groove it's just it's, it's you know for dancing you know so yeah it's yeah, pop music yeah. it's pop music but it's jazz it's crazy man you know like and being on the road with them guys um that was like i think that was the first time where i was thinking man they are playing their own music on stage this is crazy you know yeah, and that yeah, 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 yeah. and just uh, and that's where I lo- learned a lot of production because on the tour buses they'd just be there with their laptops and I just sat next to them and asked asked asked, asked questions yeah 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 I think that's important to do too like is the, the skills you pick up along the way when you're working is so important and again it's like for me in hearing you talk about this it's like to me that's like another seed like it's still like I'm seeing somebody that learned a certain way that kind of was proactive in the way they did things and went about things and then you're kind of like you're around people who aren't just kind of you know that, that that's not a session band that's a that's a group of people playing their own music so that's actually really positive too man um, coach, I have to learn so much because again i'm coming from quite the not a clinical background but from a very traditional background yeah and then um right, right, right. Traditional school this this book that book these records that transcription etc and then you go into a band like the bugs where they're just these crazy dudes you know like saying and and mm. and you know rehearsals sometimes would start late and i was like how's this like i found it really hard to deal initially to deal with with these type of characters you know where that's what i was gonna say like what was what is your life like then do you know what i mean how how does that how is that working for you just like being on the roads with these wild dudes broken beat like clubs in the middle of the night like what is your actual lifestyle like I was just like, what is happening? What is, how is this my life? Why can't people be on time? Why can't people be on time? And then yeah. I heard them play. Yeah. And coach, mm. the, uh, the other keyboard player in the band was Kaidi Tatham, one of the greatest keyboard players oh, alive. Kaidi wow. oh, oh, Cat. I learned, every, I learned how to play clap from Kaidi. I learned everything. Like in terms, I learned all about synths from the bugs, like anything mm-hmm. in terms of modern education. Um, coach, I didn't know who Don Blackman was. And I, this is after wow. the academy. We never heard jazz funk in the academy, you know. So the wow. boys wow. to do to Patrice, to Dawn, to all the jazz funk records, to you know. And and so after I got over, basically, you know, just being a bit of a prude, you know, and having to be mm-hmm. there on time. Once I realized, like, like this is music, man, characters and people 
people work differently and you have to go with the flow because real music mm. breathes. It's a living organism. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Once I, got, once I got over that and I chilled, basically I just had to chill, you know, once I chilled coach, it was some of the best times of my life, best times of my life. Cause you're playing amazing music with ridiculous musicians on stage. And it's funny because yeah. everybody's drinking or partying or whatever, you know, like part of the show was there. It was very dramatic, you know, so Kylie would just happen in the middle of the set. He'd just stop playing and be like, no, nah, I'm not playing anymore until I have a drink. And the audience would go wild, obviously, you know, and he's like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. And right. we're like, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? We don't know. <laughs> you know, it's his band, wow. Wow. you know? So, wow. so, so the excitement of, uh, and, and, you know, I got really close cause it wasn't a pop gig. So, I was embraced as an honorary bug, you know? Right, and, right, right, and right, so right. close to, to a scene and to musicians that you could see had such impact. It was a really special right. time for me, really beautiful time for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it sounds to me like um, you would have learned a lot as well as kind of like enjoyed it. I think that like it's interesting. I think that we live in a kind of a time now where there is like a pop industry. There is sort of like a pop session thing. And a lot of people, it's not something you or me maybe could relate to, but a lot of people come up with the kind of, um, with the desire to kind of be a pop session musician or to kind of go into that world straight away. But it's interesting. I think that having these other educations before you get to that is so valuable because it gives you a completely different outlook on things when you do get into that whole pop world, whatever that means, you know, um, I, I, I can think, um, of a lot of people. Sometimes I come across people that they tell me they want to be an MD and they're like, they're under like 22. And I'm like, why? Like, I think to myself, like, why would you want to do that? Like, it's like, you know, and, and, and even still, I'm thinking about you, somebody that's been playing music from the age of eight years old, but you're still learning about music in your 20s, well into your 20s, like being around other musicians and other different type of musicians. And that can do nothing but kind of enhance your kind of, you know, your whole, um, it didn't make enhance you as a musician and your kind of musical appreciation and understanding that can only kind of like add to that, you know? Completely. And, and Kojo, I think, I think you're so right because where we come from, like we fell in love with music for music. I never thought I would be a pop musician or a session musician. I didn't know what it was, you know? All I know, all yeah. I knew was I was hungry. I was hungry for knowledge, man. And anybody that could yeah. show me something, I would ask. I did not care. I would ask. I would be right next to them and soak up, soak it up, you know, soak up the knowledge because I was hungry. I just wanted to be close to greatness and become better every day, every day. And, and I still, I, I still have that in me completely, you know, like absolutely, you know, the, the never ending student, I'm never gonna, you know, never gonna be music's always going to kick our ass. Is it? Isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I remember I, so I met you, you know, you were doing lots of different pop gigs at that stage. I obviously, we worked together on Jesse J too. Um, how was that gig for you? Like as a, key, as a keyboard player? Cause I remember there was just one of you there and then yeah. actually, you know, how did that feel for you? You know what? Everything happens for a reason, isn't it? And, um, so mm. I was meant to, I was due to go, um, do another year with Rihanna at this point. Um, oh, that's Pat, right. you did Rihanna before that. So that was just before Jesse, yeah? And on Rihanna, I was second keys as yeah. well. Um, packed all my right. bags. Um, and I think I remember, Coach, I think you were just saying, Hannah, just do a couple of gigs because I know you're about to go back, you know? And so I just did, like, I think mm -hmm. a, few, a few live lounges or something like that. Um, and then I didn't 
get back. I, I didn't go back to Rihanna because um, she changed management. She moved over to Rock Nation, and um, they got a new MD. You know. So, you know, just quickly, actually, because I don't really want to talk about. Um, you know, obviously, if you do a gig like. Rihanna, you know, you're playing for one of the biggest artists in the world. You know, um, what does it feel like when you finish a gig like that? Like, because, like, how does that feel when you like when that gig is over? Weird, because I found I like, you know, because I, I I was like, because when I entered the gig, um, as you know, it was a last minute call. I got a phone call on a Tuesday. I was on a flight on a Friday. You know, like, and. Right. And I was walking into a band that were already a well-oiled machine. You know, the keyboard players, um, one of the keyboard players, I basically dropped out. You know, so right, right. So I feel like I spent the first six months just like trying not to be afraid. You know, like settling into the gig. Yeah, yeah. You were, yeah, Cold, sure. I was playing with the best musicians in the world. She was incredible for me. You know, and yeah, absolutely. You know, it took me a second to like you know find my feet in it and be secure in it and be like and feel like i deserve to be on the stage you know and mm, um, yeah and just when i got to that stage where i was just like i know what i'm go i know what i'm doing i know i can do this you know uh, mm -hmm. and uh, and now i was thinking towards the future i was like okay i'm gonna build my next keyboard rig i want to you know build it like this i want to build it like that i want to talk to yamaha i want to talk to my tech i want to have this you know i was starting to get creative because i was getting comfortable in it that's when the gig stopped yeah Wow. You know? wow. And, uh, it was heartbreaking, coach. It was absolutely heartbreaking because as as is the case, as you know, in our industry, people aren't straightforward with you. Yeah? Of course. So of course. My, that's right. my my yeah, my right. bag is packed. And I'm waiting yeah. for my email. I'm waiting for the item. I'm I'm waiting for something. Can't get a hold of the MD, can't get a hold of so and so, can't get a hold of people until yeah. the uh, uh, front of house he sent me an email and he's like, babes, it's not happening. Wow. And that's how I right. found out right. nobody officially gave me a phone call, mom. That's what, but that's, you know, <laughs> that's yeah, what happens. It's I like, know, it's so, be, my flight was booked, you know? Yeah. And that's yeah. like, I, it's, I was going to say though, I was having this conversation with another, um, MD musician who experienced something similar and he was like he just couldn't get past nobody told me anything nobody and I was like dog this is how it goes this this yeah. is this is actually that's normal when 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 the party's over that's it the lights is on <laughs> and you were like you were you were drunk walking out the club like what the fuck happened I thought we were still partying <laughs> like <laughs> So yeah. um, I th that's pretty normal. But did, was it hard to get over that? Did you was it something to get over, or, or were you able to just oh, get your head was, into other it things? Was, it was absolutely hard. It was absolutely hard getting over. It. But this is where Jesse start the Jesse um, story starts, you know. And coach, yeah. all of a sudden, I was playing piano again. And yeah, yeah, I, was like, I hadn't done that for years, you know, because I'd always been yeah. on gigs with more players, and. It was so nice. It was like going back to my roots, you know. Yeah, like, sure, sure. And, and you know, it was a small band when we started. Um, it was small stages when we started, and there was something so special because um, I'd never. I feel I felt like I'd never done that. I'd never grown with an artist. I'd only come at a point where they were already superstars and gone clear or whatever, you know. Um, yeah, and to yeah, be yeah. be there as somebody's journey is beginning and unfolding and be part of it for me was really really special really special yeah 
No, that's, that's right. It was a four. Get over the re-gig. Do you know what I mean? Because you just get over it because you realize what I'm learning here. I would have never learned on re. You know. Yeah. Like. Yeah, and, and yeah, yeah. So life goes on, and, and you know, and, and as we know, life is ups and downs. Music is ups and downs, and you just learn how to ride those waves. Yeah, I think it was a good like. I think that particular time. I think it's great if you, when you're on a gig with. Um, I think everybody was. Um, you were probably the most experienced person in the band, but I think that for everybody, it was they were all good people, and it was all like a project that was came at a good time for everybody because she was kind of getting bigger and bigger and bigger at that time, and I think everybody musically and kind of professionally were kind of growing in a similar type of way because it was you know it was an early important part of a lot of people's journeys. I think yeah, actually. Yeah. It was, it was like a signature signature gig for a few people, so um, I included myself. So um, that was a good time, man. But like, obviously, that's um, that ended up being like I guess the last kind of mm-hmm. session gig that you did, right? Yeah, it was. That was it. that was my last gig. Was there like? <laughs> I've always thought to myself, like, was there like a particular? time or a particular thing that happened that made you think you know what fuck this i can't do this shit no more it wasn't a particular uh, thing but in the last year in my third year mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i just started to get a feeling in my stomach and i was thinking because at this point i'd played all the we were just doing the same venues again and again right and that's it's yeah, amazing yeah. and it sounds crazy for me to say oh this arena again but i'd done them all i'd done them all a lot of times yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I started to get this feeling in my stomach like, is my life just gonna be the only thing that's gonna change about my life is the pop star? You know, mm, 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 also, mm, absolutely. As you know, coach, like being on the road that hard, and especially with artists that you know are successful, you you're gone mm. a lot, yeah. And yeah. I wasn't a great friend. I wasn't a great brother, sister. I wasn't a great family member. I was a ghost because mm-hmm. I was always, I was always you, you come home, you're knackered, you know, you detox and then you go out on the road again, you know, and I felt like I'm not even part of this world anymore. You know, I'm just in this weird tour bubble. And, and yeah. w- is, is this even real? You know? Um, yeah. And yeah. I think so. So there was a feeling of, uh, for over the last year of, of, and it wasn't this dissatisfaction, but it was like, what is next? There needs to be something next. But coach, I had no idea how to do it. I had no idea. all. Yeah. I was just thinking, I know I need a change, but girls got rent to pay. So how do we do this change? And um, it was absolutely unexpected. Um, I was at this point, I was producing, you know, uh, producing on the side, trying to hadn't put out anything really a couple of white label things, but nothing real. Um, And very, 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 very unexpectedly, I got a record deal. You know, I got scientists. Yeah, man. I mean, wait a second. <laughs> so, wait a second. We need we need to go back before we get into that. <laughs> wait a second. So, like, you know, because I remember, like, I remember personally. I remember you talking about production, but I remember, you know, it, it wasn't something that you made a big deal about. Because a lot of people will be like, "Oh, yeah, you know, I'm working on this project. I'm doing that." It wasn't something that you were kind of like really kind of like talking about or make. It, it was just something that I just remember you you were doing it. Like, what made you sort of like? Why was it producing that you decided that you want that you wanted to be your next thing? Like, why not like why not management or why not you know teaching or whatever? Like or working at Yamaha. Like, what was it? Did, had you always wanted to produce like what what made you Gosh, make that no, decision again, it's like the piano like it just happened so i was just right. producing for myself yeah 
very much as a hobby. Right. Um, but I was doing it pro- right. I, I was doing it properly. Uh, and what I mean with that, like I had a singer, I had a project, I was writing, and we were, you know, like I was spending a lot of time on it. That this is back in the day where you know you don't have any treatment, so you have your singer go under a duvet, you know, that, that kind of things, you know, like. Mm-hmm. But but it was fun, and I was taking it seriously, and I was trying to learn, and you know, like I was listening to the bugs and trying to like do a similar sound or whatever. So, um, but I wasn't. I wasn't thinking, and, and now and now I want to be a professional producer. You know, I wasn't thinking anything. Right. I, all I knew, and all I was praying for and putting out into the world was that I need a change. That was my. That was all right. I was saying for. You know, amazing, so amazing. It was, it, was, it was absolutely. I wasn't planning on becoming a full time professional producer. You know, and that's when I started working together with Cores. Yeah. Okay, and Cores okay. is like a full-time professional pop producer, four million records sold, blah blah blah, all of that, you know. And very very slowly, I learned the ropes very slowly because being a hobby right. producer and being yes. a producer for real, different, big difference, mm-hmm. you know. And so he just right. helped me basically work on a couple of records, and um, I was about to drop a record with one of my singer friends. When mm-hmm. um, I sent it around to the few, very few label contacts I had, you know, didn't have mm-hmm. a lot around. One of them got back to me and said, Hannah, hold, hold tight for a second because we're opening up a new sub um, at Sony. This might be a good shot mm-hmm. for it, you know? Wow. So wow. Um, weeks, months later, you know, I got a phone call. I went um, from them and it was a small deal, Coach. It was a two single deal which ended up in mm-hmm. a two single and an EP deal. So it was a small deal. It was a small advance, but it was enough of an advance to say, I can quit being a session musician. That's right. That's right. And you're, and you're working, you're doing it. You're kind of, you know, you're, you're, you're on the train and you're going somewhere. That's amazing, man. And um, did you like, at that point, did you ever think to yourself like, oh shit, but maybe if another gig comes along, maybe put it, or were you just completely embracing this new change in this new direction you were going in? You know, it was it was crazy, Coach, because I knew. You remember the last arena tour we did with Jay, um, the salt, the one that sold out. I do out. remember. Yeah, yeah, I remember one. your last show. I remember yeah. it. So that last, before the arena tour, I knew I knew I was leaving. Yeah, and I hadn't told mm-hmm. no one because I wanted to basically sign the contract. You know, um, yeah. but I knew I knew this, um, and for me. It all came down to music, Coach. I knew if I was really going to be good at production, and I wanted to be, I needed to dedicate time to it. That's it. Yeah, you know, it wasn't, a, I, it wasn't a, like, I don't want to be on the road. It was just like, I, I need to get really good at this. And I'm starting, I'm starting uh, this whole professional producer thing quite late, you know? So right, I need to right, do right. Time. So, coach. When word came out that, um, um, that I'd quit Jesse, um, that I quit the session scene, I got four world tours offered the next, like within wow. two, three days, you know? Wow. Um, wow. So that's definitely a way to be like, you sure you want this? Uh, and again, it wasn't like it was Drake calling or something. So, you know, like, um, it, it would have been harder if it was like a hero or something, but it, mm. it was still kind of, I just knew, I knew in my heart, I needed to, you have to put in the work. I knew I had to learn, you know? Um, mm. right. But coach, the first six months were hard, man. Cause, mm. um, I just remember like watching the Jesse J band on their Instagram and being like, Oh my God, I love that hotel. Oh my God, they're there. Oh my God, they're in Africa <laughs> hanging out with cubs. Like I was hating coach. I could not get over it. I couldn't, yeah. I, I had made this decision, but I wasn't equipped for it, you know? Cause yeah. eight yeah. years I'd been on the road and 
Packing away my suitcases was traumatic. Sleeping in my own bed was traumatic. Making my own bed. Having to have like real conversations with my family on a day-to-day basis because I was there was hard. Re- Dragging re- all them keyboards from, from the lockup and shit, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Where do I put all these fucking keyboards? <laughs> all of that, man. All of that. It was just like... And, and coach, for me, the biggest thing was I'd been a session musician for most of my career. And I was a good session yeah. musician. And the job of a session musician is to to listen to your MD, get the sounds programmed, and and you not do your job, you know. Yeah, and of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. certain opportunities. There's a little intro here, a little outro there, where you can put your own spin on it. But being a session musician isn't about your character, for especially for keyboard players. It's it's about supporting the singer in a, in a yeah. way that makes for a great show. You know, so yeah, absolutely. So for me to then start thinking as an artist, I didn't even know where to start. What, what, how do I want to play? How do I want to sound like? What music do I want to do? I had no idea, man. I had no idea. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, but it seems like to me like that that's something that you've done a few times in your life where you're yeah. prepared to just kind of like make that leap and build your wings on the way down, which I think is, um, I think that's an admirable quality, man. That's kind of that's the only way you're going to get into something new, or else it's just going to be Groundhog Day, right? I mean, I know, you know, yeah. sometimes these things fail spectacularly, and that's just part of it as well. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't. Yeah. People love to say high risk, high reward. Listen, sometimes high risk, dead out. You know, and that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's the way it is. Absolutely. But we got to take these risks. We have to. We have to. I think it's too. It's like if you're like, you have to listen to your heart and listen to your soul. If you sometimes you just know you don't want to do something anymore for whatever reason. You might not know what it is that you want to do, but knowing what it is that you don't want to do can be good enough. And I think a lot of times people stay locked in certain routines just out of fear. You know, it's amazing that you weren't afraid to make that step, you know, because I think that when you left Jesse, it was still, you know, it was still a very big gig. You know what I mean? It was still. It, it, it was, you know, you left after an arena tour. You know what I mean? It was, it wasn't like something else, you know. So, um, so now, how long has it been now that you've been working? I would say just as exclusively as a producer. Six years. This is my sixth six year. Years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think you said that earlier, man. So, do you like? Do you have any regrets? Do you have any um, things that you think like I wish I'd done this differently? I wish I'd done that differently? Or are you just how do you feel you know, about it? Um, yeah, but not regrets, just lessons learned, you know? Because um, the thing mm. about going into this world, coach, I was naive. I was green. And I didn't right. realize because obviously doing our jobs, we're used to being around artists, labels, A&Rs, whatever, you know? That don't prepare yeah, you for being, actually being on the other side. It don't prepare you for that, yeah. you know? I had yeah, no idea absolutely. what to expect. I had no idea what how campaigns run. I had no idea how hard it is to establish yourself as a producer. I just thought, yo, yes. I paid my dues and now I got signed to a major. This is sick. You know? Yeah. I had no, I had <laughs> yeah. no idea that, um, yeah. that I had to start from square one. And maybe if I would have known how hard it was going to be, shit, I don't know if I would have gone through with it. But it's nice. It's, it's that it's, sometimes that na- naivety is helpful. Because it makes it, it may, helps you make those big risks, take those big risks, and then you're just like, shit, this is really hard. But then you're in it already. Yeah, I mean, but that's dope, though. That sounds like the same girl that walks into the academy and is like, hey, I'm Hannah, everybody, and I play keyboards. Don't worry. <laughs> exactly that. Um, so, very similar yeah. story. Nobody, it took me a long, long, long time to 
to get to the stage where I'm at now. Because um, it's the same throughout the music industry, isn't it? It's like every scene has its has its click. It has its popular kids. Um, it has people that have been working together for 10, 15 years, and therefore they're not necessarily open to some new random producer coming into the mix, you know? Um, Absolutely. And just being signed to a major, which means you have a bit of budget uh, for marketing, doesn't mean radio is going to play you. doesn't mean you're going to get A-listed, B-listed, or even C-listed, you know? like And these how are things did, I have to know. Yeah, I can imagine. And how did you, I mean, was it difficult for you to be, I guess, to be taken seriously as a producer? Because the one thing I know about, I would say not just in music, I think in any walk of life, when people like change what they're going to do and say, you know what, I was doing this, but now I'm going to be doing this. There's a lot of doubters. There's a lot of haters. that be like, man, you, you ain't going to do that. Or you can't do that. Like, how, you know, how does that kind of, how did you deal with that? How did you combat that? Because there must have been a lot of people that, was thinking you was fucking out of your mind listen yes but coach i'm ray charles ray charles in the bullshit because <laughs> it's been the story of my right. life do you know what i mean of people right. doubting people being like you can't do that you can't play on big gigs like that you can't pick you can't do this you can't do this you can't do this i don't care man because i don't know like i'm stubborn like that do you know what i mean it's just i just wanted yeah, to do it yeah, yeah. so um i was aware of the haters i was aware especially like in a strange way, there was a lot of we- people were weird in the music scene and that in the musician yeah. scene, and that hurt me because I love my musicians. I love I loved my job as a session musician, you know. And it was, mm-hmm. you know, and and all I was trying to encourage people was like, listen, if you don't, if you want to be a session musician for the rest of your life, more power to you. But if not, look, I'm doing it. I'm trying it. There's ways out. That's right. You know. So that's for me, right. never, I never wanted to, you know, like. I don't know. And you know me, I'm always like, I always believe in like kind of inviting people into my world. It's like, for me, it's just not about arrogance or whatever. And so it definitely, it was a lonely, and it is a lonely life as a producer coach. It's very different to being a session musician, you know? Cause Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Cause so we, yeah, 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 yeah. And do you miss sort of like, do, I, I guess, do, do you miss the kind of, I, I think the thing that I do like about, the kind of gigging and session world is you there's a lot of people around you're doing things with lots of people all the time lots of collaboration do, do you miss that kind of thing because i know that, you know as a producer you can be quite isolated a lot of time it's a lot of time with you in that laptop do you, do you ever feel like isolated in that way absolutely and i think that was the that's the biggest thing for me that's the hardest thing for mm-hmm. me is the fact that i'm i'm quite an introvert anyway so being on on the road is perfect because you don't have to plan your social life it's there you know you hang yeah, after, yeah, you, hang yeah. after rehearsal, you have dinner together you have breakfast together whatever it's just there whereas now as a producer i have to organize seeing my friends and all of that i'm not good at that you know and um yeah yeah and also sessions are um of course i do like a lot of sessions with my friends but i also do a lot of sessions with people i've never met so people come in they bear their souls to you. You write a song, six hours later they leave and you never see them again and you haven't even had a drink. Like, I find that hard, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. And, and so definitely, like, that's the, that's the hardest thing I find about being a producer, coming, having come from um, the beautiful social touring life of, you know, hanging with <laughs> musicians, crew, artists, everywhere, every... Coach, you know me. Every city we went in the world, I'd have some random friend that, you know, I'd go out yep, and go, yeah, you know. Yeah, really would, too. <laughs> like, I don't know somebody everywhere. I'm like, where is this woman going? <laughs> I 
just random people I'd met here, there, wherever. And, and for me, like exploring and meeting new people and seeing seeing a country and seeing a city through the lo- local people's eyes, for me, is so important. That's the only way you get to see a place, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. So for me, like um, as a session musician, the traveling was was it filled me so much you know it was so beautiful and yeah. and i'm slowly starting to travel as a producer i'm st- starting to get those moments back but yeah it's not the same it's not the same you have to you have to actually pick up the phone and call up your friends that's right that's right you know but that's a good thing too exactly. you know because it kind of yeah. brings a different thing was there a particular was there a particular moment that you kind of felt like yeah do you know what I'm not Hannah the keyboard player anymore. I'm Hannah the producer. Hmm. I feel I'm still having those moments, coach, cuz I still feel <laughs> right, right. like 6 years is not long, do you know what I mean, compared to my friends, my producer friends who've been in the game for 20 years, you know? Mm, mm, so mm, mm. I still find that I'm getting those moments and they're amazing moments. Like I had a moment um not long ago three months three four months ago where for the first time another keyboard player came to play some parts and for me right 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 like, this is a trip yo because i'm a keyboard player so what the hell but uh, it was mike yeah. uh, so it was a thing for jp and mike's his his live keyboard player so it totally made sense it was a song they'd done a lot for mike to lay down those keys you know and mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. And he came to the studio and I was thinking, I wonder I wonder how my ego is going to cope with this, yeah? Like, <laughs> right, um, right, right, right. Coach, I'm at, I'm at that age where I'm honest to myself. I, ain't, I don't need to tell no one about it, but I know, like, this could be tricky. Coach, it was yeah, the yeah, best. Yeah. It was amazing having an amazing keyboard player who's a good friend sitting there mm-hmm. and me just being like, okay, change the top note. Okay, do that. Can you do this for voice leading? And just being the brain and not having to think yeah, about my favorites at all. And that was a moment where I was like, man, you're a producer. You know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just no ego and it was beautiful and and mike was just responding so fast to every all the suggestions i was giving him and it was it was seamless and it was beautiful and and so i have these little moments i had another moment um end of last year where i had a big session for jp again in church studios and this was the second time i'd done a session in church studios and the first time was two years ago and it was hard we got through it and the stuff sounded amazing but i was a wreck after it you know Coach, right, 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 right. When I tell you, I came in there, and of course things went wrong. So and so was late. This arrangement wasn't working. Blah blah blah. Buzz here. The usual stuff in big studios. Yeah, coach. Mm-hmm. I just never lost my cool because I was just like, I know what I'm doing, and I've got an answer. Yeah, yeah. Every time there's a problem, cool. This is what's gonna happen. Video guys, I need another half an hour because we need to get the music right. Cool. You know, and there was this feeling of peace all through the day coach all through the day and i loved every moment of it even the stressful moments even when you could tell okay i'm running out of time i only got one more take for this but and again i left at the end of that day and especially in comparison to my session two years um earlier which was very stressful this was just as stressful but i just went rolled with the punches and i loved it and that was another moment where like when you just think i was born for this shit i was born for the shit you know and I get I just get gassed man because I honestly like I love the job I know it's cheesy but I just love it 
So I think just just being able to say this is what I'm doing now, this is what I'm doing, this is how I'm doing, you know, and then you can kind of, I think it's about writing your own rules. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that that's obviously um, something you enjoy and you've kind of connected with, and that's clearly working for you, and clearly that you do well because you're able to kind of sustain a career in it yeah. and keep it moving. So that's fantastic, Hannah. I mean, listen, it's been great talking to you, man. You've got so much kind of like history and kind of. Um, longevity and been doing so many different things and i think it's been great kind of really kind of talking about that so thanks for coming on and having this conversation man i really appreciate it so much for having me and for asking all the right questions coach you know me you could go on for days about this stuff fantastic all right hannah well listen take care all the best in the future great talking to you um we'll catch up soon anybody if you want to check out hannah you can go to her instagram or website what's your what's your details hannah what's up where's all that stuff um, hit me up on insta on hannah v official or just hannah v on twitter you'll find okay, everything fantastic, there. fantastic all right then listen great talking to you we'll catch up soon take care take care coach hope you enjoyed that episode It's always nice to talk to such a great friend, especially when they're fearless. If you haven't already, say it again. Please like, follow, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. Spread the word. In the next episode, which will essentially be our last of this series, I talk to a good friend, Steve Barney, who's one of the first people I met in my personal journey in the world of session musicians. Steve's had an incredible career where he's played with legends such as Jeff Beck, Annie Lennox, Anastasia, and of course Sugar Babes, which is where we met. This is all in addition to lots of other interesting things. This call took place early in the year, and it's definitely an episode to listen out for. Until then, 